a British TV podcast with Chrissy and Ryan. News, reviews, what's on TV this week, DVD releases, and special features all about British TV. Welcome to the British TV podcast, show number 16. Sweet 16. That's right. I'm Ryan in Seattle. I'm Chrissy in Seattle. I'm excited. I'm excited about this week's show. Okay. Are you excited? Oh, yeah. I hope you'll be excited by the end of it. This week, we have news, what's on British TV this week, what's running in the United States, DVD releases, listener feedback, and a feature on actress Julie Graham. Okay, well, you'll have to do most of the speaking on her, because I I know very little on her, but I do like what I know. But you've seen some of her shows. Yes. I'm sure you will Mm -hmm. just contribute as you always do in your great way. You might remember back in show seven, we talked about the career of Russell T. Davies after he moved to Los Angeles and what it would be like. And Chrissy asked. Do you think he would do an episode of an established TV show here and there? Or do you think that he would just accept getting his own projects? Wait no longer. You'll be happy to know that Russell T. Davies has apparently persuaded Fox Television to do an American remake of Torchwood. The Hollywood Reporter says Fox is considering ordering a pilot if they like the script for a series that would reunite the original executive producers Davies, Jane Tranter, and Julie Gardner, all of whom have relocated to sunny Southern California. Should John Barrowman be picking up some suntanning lotion soon? We shall see. Well, I think he should play the role then, but he can use his Scottish accent just to be different when they redo all the episodes. Because <laughs> he, can, he can pick up a Scottish accent quite easily. He is a Scottish man. I think that would kind of defeat the purpose there. <laughs> but yeah, so that's... So from Cardiff to Los Angeles. Wow. Davies is trying to resurrect Torchwood, American style. Interesting. Mm-hmm. We'll see if that happened. This news just broke this week, so they haven't even ordered his pilot yet. They're just considering it, but we'll see. Hmm. Among new dramas in the pipeline of BBC, which keep in mind it could be 2011 before we see any of them, are White Heat, which will attempt to capture the spirit of our friends the North by following characters from the 1960s through to the present day. And Outcast, which is a science fiction series set in the year 2040 about colonists on another planet, and this is coming from the people who brought you Life on Mars, Ashes to Ashes, and Hustle. Oh. Did you ever see Our Friends in the North? I've seen part, I saw the first episode. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it was uh, in the mid-90s, and what today would be an all-star cast, Christopher Eccleston, Daniel Craig, Gina McPhee, and Mark Strong. And they spent a huge hunk of their yearly budget just on that one miniseries, I know, because it was so epic. Wasn't it 10 parts? Yeah, every year was set during an election year in Britain, and it would advance the story. BBC is kind of cutting back on some of their dramas. They had a very ambitious one that was going to be this multi-decade, all-encompassing drama scheme that would all kind of connect together and kind of bring you up to the present day, and they've sort of canceled that. They couldn't commission enough. They're kind of cutting their budgets for this year. Hmm. They're scaling back. They promised, well, we're going to definitely be making more like Waterloo Road and and you know, Doctor Who and popular series like that. But they're definitely scaling back. So it's nice that they're commissioning a couple of things here. But things aren't like they always are at the BBC. You know, we talked last week about how they're trying to cut costs in anticipation of the election. So we'll see. But speaking of upcoming BBC dramas, there's a neat two-minute trailer available online showcasing series that are going to be on the next four months, including Ashes to Ashes, Lennon Naked, and A Passionate Woman. 
it's just it's such a music and just as a lot of quick shots showing the, the big name stars. You see James Nesbitt, Billy Piper, Matt Smith, and all the rest. And you can find a link to this on our show notes at BritishTVPodcast.com. So what's on for the week of January 20th to the 26th? Wednesday on ITV1, it's the National Television Awards, as voted on by the British public. In other words, Chrissy, you can't buy it like a Golden Globe. Oh, I wanted one to sit next to my Golden Globe at home. Did you buy a Golden Globe? I did. You did? Mm -hmm. Oh, good. Well, it can be done. Allegedly. No, I didn't. Okay. On Channel 4 is the last part of Gordon's Great Escape, with Gordon Ramsay going around India. I would like to go around India, but a lot of people do it. Paul Merton did it. Victoria Wood did it. They had a big film crew with them. Yep. There's lots to see and do and eat in India, though. Definitely a place I'd like to see sometime. Okay. And on BBC Two, Wednesday, the advertising sitcom The Persuasionists continue. Thursday on BBC One, Material Girl continues, followed by Silent Witness. Material Girl, that's Leonora Critchlow, yes. right? Yeah. Love her. I've been mainlining being human this week, and I just think she's one of the finest young actresses there is. What's your review of Being Human? Well, I'm four episodes in to season one. Right. And I also watched the pilot, which was interesting, with Adrian Lester as the part they really went 180 degrees on when they recast it, and I'm, I'm quite enjoying it. I don't think it's something I'll think about forever and ever and, and return to, but for a few nights of just really becoming engrossed in it and enjoying the acting and just the appeal of the three main characters, I'm quite, quite enjoying it and taking it to work, of course. Everybody else has to watch it, too, because that's what I do. Well, I was unimpressed after the first episode. I may have to go back and revisit it. BBC Two starts a new round of its Thursday night comedies with a new season of topical news quiz, Mock the Week, and the return of the Scottish comedy, Rab C. Nesbitt. Be sure to turn on those CFAX subtitles so you can understand the accents. You can be a bit thick and Glaswegian. They are. I just watched my first clip from that show on YouTube recently because I had heard that 22-year-old David Tennant had one of his early TV roles as a guest on that show, and certainly he's on YouTube in drag, in drag. as a barmaid, Davina. Very interesting part. And that's followed by the debut of Bellamy's People, based on the Radio 4 comedy series Down the Line, with Charlie Higson and Paul Whitehouse doing a series of character sketches about ordinary folks in Britain. Friday, on BBC One, there's another installment of Quiz Show, QI, followed by the conclusion of this week's mystery on Silent Witness. On Channel 4, Jimmy Carr's Quiz Show, 8 Out of 10 Cats, continues. Friday Night with Jonathan Ross on BBC One features guests Billy Piper, Alan Carr, and Alicia Keys. Alan Carr sort of a competing chat show host since he was doing his Channel 4 series, and... Jonathan Ross seems to be having a lot of Doctor Who-related guests since last week he had Catherine Tate on. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's not a bad thing. Ross loves Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Saturday, the BBC Two documentary, The Legacy of Lawrence of Arabia, continues. Sunday, Like Rise to Candleford continues on BBC One. And it's followed by Rock and Chips, a new prequel movie to the series Only Fools and Horses, where writer John Sullivan takes us back to the 1960s, where in Peckham, the Trotters are all under one roof, Granddad, Joan, Husband Reg, and the Teenage Del Boy. 
Things suddenly change, however, when ex-con Freddy Robdahl appears. So Nicholas Linders is going to be in this, but he's not going to be playing Rodney, since Rodney would be either a young boy or not even born yet. So for fans of Only Fools and Horses, which has really kind of stood the test of time, and their Christmas specials have got huge ratings. We'll see if fans want to see the tales of them as teenagers. Hmm. Over on ITV1, Wild at Heart continues. And on BBC3, speaking of which, more of the second season of Being Human. Monday, the documentary series The Lakes continues on ITV1. At 9pm on BBC1, Hustle continues. I saw the episode this week and Robert Vaughn was trying to scam Colin Baker, who died of a heart attack before the credits even rolled. Wow, okay. I haven't watched any of the new series yet. I I guess I'm waiting till I can burn it to a DVD and watch it properly from my comfy chair in the living room because it's a lot more comfortable than the computer. I wonder if you make a list of all the shows that Colin Baker has died in because he also died in the first episode of Jonathan Creek. Remember, he was the very first victim. He was a painter. Oh, yeah. I didn't remember it was him, but... Uh, Neither did I. I think I was watching it for 10 minutes before I realized, oh my God, that's Colin Baker. Law and Order UK is on ITV1 Monday, and on Channel 5 is Paul Merton in Europe. Yeah, that's another I haven't watched yet, but I am definitely looking forward to it, because I adored his travel documentaries to India and China. So. It's interesting he's doing it for Channel 5, but hey, mm-hmm. you know. Tuesday, Survivors is back on BBC One, and we're going to have a feature about star Julie Graham coming up in just a few minutes. At 10 p.m. on Channel 4 is a new series of Shameless with David Threlfall and all your favorites from the Manchester housing estate. And speaking of which, I saw William H. Macy. They showed a shot of him in the audience at the Golden Globes, and he had long hair and a beard, very much in the Frank Gallagher look. Because, of course, he is shooting a pilot for an American remake for Showtime. Well, David wears a wig, so... No wigs here. He's going method, wow. Yeah. On BBC America this week, Friday night with Jonathan Ross is Friday night, along with some Top Gear repeats. Saturday, Demons continues, followed by The Graham Norton Show. And Monday, the new season of Top Gear premieres, along with the debut of the comedy series The Inbetweeners, a funny and raunchy, I suspect words will be bleeped, Channel 4 comedy about four boys who attend high school together. Have you seen The Inbetweeners? Nope. I have. It's cute. PBS's Masterpiece Classic on Sunday has the new BBC adaptation of Emma. And here with a special report is our own Jane Austen expert, Kate. Hi, Kate. Hi, Ryan. You are familiar with the works of Jane Austen, having seen many dramatizations as well as actually having had read the books. That's true. How many Jane Austen books are there? I think there's six major works and a bunch of partial ones and some juvenilia. And you read them constantly, don't you? I I do occasionally read some. I more recently have read books that either continue or complete works of Jane Austen. So I just read one that was a completion of her partial novel called Saniton. And it's actually been renamed Charlotte, and it was pretty good. And how about that Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? (laughs) That was really funny. And it was very largely the original book and then just some interleaving of zombies so it wasn't bad i thought it would be more of a departure from the book and it wasn't so maybe they'll make a movie out of it yeah that'd be kind of fun (laughs) so what is the plot of emma emma is about a young woman who is sort of the queen bee in her little town 
but she's not very worldly, she, although she's considered sort of the most uh, highbrow and experienced woman in, in the town. And they, she thinks she knows more than she does. Emma's been remade into a movie called Clueless, so that's sort of a real big indicator of kind of the way she acts, although she is very smart. So she thinks that she kind of knows everything. And she gets into trouble because she tries to matchmake among people because she thinks she matchmade for her governess. So tell us about some of the adaptations of Emma you've seen. You mentioned Clueless, which is Clueless, the modern one. Mo- movie with... Uh, Alicia Silverstone. Alicia Silverstone. And that's a really good adaptation of it in a way. I really liked it. So I own three versions of Emma. So I have a really old BBC version, and it stars... Doran Godwin... And John Carson is Mr. Knightley. Mr. Knightley. And that's the 1972 BBC version. Right. And I've been watching a little bit with you, and our main comment about it would be... The actors seem to be too old for their characters. Because Emma's supposed to be... She's like 21. And Mr. Knightley is in his late 30s. He's 37 because he's 16 years older than her. I really like this version. It's well acted. It's close to the book. It has a lot more details in it. And a lot of times when I watch the shorter film versions, you lose that kind of flow of the language. Uh, It can make it slower. But if you love the books like I do, when I was young, I used to love the romance at the end because, of course, they got married. But now I love the satirical play on the words and what happens and how there's really a comedy of manners going on. And I really like the stage sets and costumes. When you look at pictures of Jane Austen, her hair is basically a bun on top of her head and she's like little curlicues all around her hairline. And the Emma in this BBC 72 version looks exactly like that. Now there's two versions that came out in 1996. There's an A&E version that Kate Beckinsale was in. Which I did not see. Which, you know who plays Mr. Knightley in that one? Mm-mm. Mark Strong. Oh, really? Yes, we've just seen him in a couple of movies. He, he was used in to be young... the romantic lead, and now he's kind of playing evil guys. Yes, he's a kind of evil guy, as to say. But in... he's got that real strong jaw thing going on. In Young Victoria and in Sherlock Holmes. I have a short version of Emma, which is a film version with Gwyneth Paltrow, that came out the same year. Yes, with Jeremy Northam as Mr. Knightley. I really like that film as well. They really get almost all of the book in there. Tony Collette's in it, and it's a great, great cast, so... Really well acted and just star power all around. And now we have this new BBC adaptation from 2009 with Romola Gary and Johnny Lee Miller. I like this one. It's again, it's long, so you get more of the book in it. But in a way, it actually brings forth Mr. Knightley's character and the whole surrounding family situation more. In this too, you see Mr. Knightley walking and playing with his nieces and nephews and going to London. And there's all this stuff that's not in the book. I prefer more pure adaptations where the book is really shown more because I think the book is amazing. The great thing I think Roma Ligari does is that she's very young looking and you really get more of a sense of how she really is at sea. We like Roma Ligari. We did a feature on her career back on show number five, if people want to go back and listen to that. And Johnny Lee Miller was seen on American TV. He was the title character on Eli Stone. Yeah, I thought Charlie Miller was very good as Mr. Knightley as well. It's not a hard part to play, I'd say. I think Emma's more difficult. I mean, you're like in every scene. So how would you compare the 2009 version with the earlier versions? I like them all. <laughs> well, what are some pluses and minuses of the newest version? Sounds like pluses would be Romola Gary, that she's the right age and you really like her as an actress. I like the fact that the youthfulness comes through. And I remember one particular scene with Romola Gary 
where she's walking around a corner and there's this beautiful ribbon flapping off of her dress and it's just like oh I hadn't seen that before and whoever was the costume designer did a really great job making the costumes move more like they would have and you had a lot more action and people running around outside so in a way it was more of a real snapshot of what the life would have been like the 72 version is very stage-like. It's like watching a stage play. And it's obvious that there were a lot of indoor sets, even the ones that are set outside. And the production values have gotten much better as you go along. They're all really good. I haven't seen an Emma yet that I think is really bad. So you would recommend that Jane Austen fans should check out the new version of Emma? I think it's good. Yeah. Okay. Well, it debuts on Masterpiece Classic on January 24th on most PBS stations. Kate gives it a thumbs up, right? Thumbs up. Okay. Thank you, Kate. You're welcome. The Independent Film Channel is showing the IT crowd weeknights at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. The fifth season of Shameless continues Friday on the Sundance Channel. And the third season of Billy Piper's Secret Diary of a Call Girl is Mondays on Showtime. Hopefully now with more nudity because she was preggers when they were shooting the whole last season she couldn't do any sex scenes well she had a few body doubles that were just so obviously not her but shemp shemp <laughs> and, and the two body doubles didn't match either. Ooh, so bad shemping her figure was really doing a bit of uh, changing there between weeks but nope the real mccoy is back and she's on mondays on showtimes no doubt repeats through the weeks and on demand and all the other things if you get showtime on Adult Swim at 1 a.m. Sunday night, that is Monday morning, they continue running Look Around You, the 1970s magazine show parody. I wonder if that would extend to a second series or if the fact they just made six of those is kind of enough. Well, okay, there was... Well, yeah, there the, was the the 10-minute right. mini-episodes that were a little bit different than the... A lot different. <laughs> ...than the series, but yeah. I did like it. It's been several years, so I think if they were going to pick up, they would have done it. Yeah. Since then, so. Well, Peter Serafinowicz has his sketch show now, which is... I think it's not coming back either. Really? I think he got his Christmas special and that was it. The ratings were not quite what they were hoping for. Oh, it's a shame. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I thought it was really good. DVD releases. Jonathan Creek Season 4, starring Alan Davies as the puzzle-solving sleuth. And this was the season with Julia Sawala as his assistant. Mm-hmm. Who was married in the series to... Adrian Edmondson. Right. So there was no romantic involvement because... The assistant was married. I think she was looking to play away. She seemed to have very conflicted feelings about Jonathan. Watch and decide for yourself. New Tricks Season 2 is out, starring Amanda Redmond as a detective chief inspector who runs a special unit of retired policemen to resolve old cases. It's a very successful series for BBC, and even the repeats get huge ratings. And now you can see the second season here in America. Return to Cranford arrives in shops just two days after being screened on Masterpiece Classic. You can also get a box set with both seasons, the original Cranford and Return to Cranford. And Waking the Dead Season 4, the medical examiner police procedural is now out on DVD. So listener feedback. I've been looking at these stats for downloads for our podcast, and I'm surprised that over 100 downloads for show one this month. Oh. So people are listening to our back catalog, I guess. Hope they're enjoying it. I attended a science fiction convention over the weekend and did a panel on podcasting. And the one thing we all agreed on was don't hold your breath waiting for feedback. But that said, we actually got some listener feedback this week. Matt from Spain writes, I've just subscribed to your podcast. Thanks in advance. The link was from the Anglutopia webpage. It was the legality for downloading UK TV podcast that caught my eye. 
We, of course, do a little blog on anglotopia.net every week uh, promoting the podcast, and you can listen to it right from that website. So we appreciate the promotion we get from that. Matt also included some correspondence he said with the BBC about trying to use the iPlayer to listen to BBC Radio on his iPhone, but apparently the BBC doesn't want to stream to mobile devices, even though you can stream to a computer. Why they think there seems to be a difference, who knows? Hmm. Our feature this week is on actress Julie Graham. So Scottish actress Julie Graham was born in 1965 in Irvine, Ayrshire. And like most jobbing actresses, she did parts on TV, including Taggart and The Bill and Casualty. I think everybody has to do that, don't they? (laughs) I first noticed her in ITV's At Home with the Braithwaites in 2000, where she played the next-door neighbor Megan. Now, how would you describe the character of Megan? I can't describe the character. I don't know the show. Oh. You'll have to describe it. Okay. Well, At Home with the Braithways was a series about a dysfunctional family run by Amanda Redmond, who's married to sad sack Peter Davison. And she has three daughters. And one day, Amanda's character wins the lottery. She wins 27 million pounds, and she doesn't tell her family. Mm-hmm. So instead, she starts up a nonprofit foundation to give away the money. And it's sort of the kind of soap opery comedic adventures that her family's having, all unaware that they're all multimillionaires. And Julie played the next-door neighbor who was married to another sad sack guy. And one of the daughters is gay and suddenly starts getting the hots for the character of Megan. When everybody finds out that the family does have money, Megan gets very interested in the daughter in return. She is a gold digger. So this was a series written by Sally Wainwright. It was kind of a comedy drama. It was on ITV. Mm-hmm. In this clip, Megan confronts the mother, played by Amanda Redman. Hello. That is not the woman from Women in Crisis. No, she'll be back in an hour. I gave her a £20 note and pointed her towards Harvey Nicks. Did you? Shall I? Thanks. Milk, no sugar. Gorgeous office. What do you want? Virginia keeps having bad dreams about you. She keeps dreaming that you're dead. I said ring her, but she won't. She only has to do one thing, Megan. Look, I know you don't like to believe this, but I do care about her. One thing. You see, the trouble with you is that even if that were true, nobody in their right minds would ever believe you. So why have I come here, hmm? If I don't care about her. You're not even one of them. Aren't I? You're just playing at it. I have sex with her daughter. You're only in it for what you can get. Well, that's a bit weird, isn't it? Because at the moment, I'm supporting her. She's just passed her part twos, by the way. She's doing very well. You'd be so proud of her. Why don't I let you have a few pounds? And in return, you let her down gently. And over a period of, say few weeks you just disappear bit by bit how about that you wouldn't lend me a fiver Alison we both know that I'd like you to leave now I'll tell her you're not dead then shall I yet you will never get anything out of this Megan however long you persist no one will ever make her happier than I do I think you should get used to that my one comfort is the certain knowledge that one day She'll go right off you. One morning she'll wake up and she'll be obsessed with someone else and I don't think it'll be that long before it happens. I may know her better than you like to think. Megan was not a nice person. 
it was hard to take your eyes off Julie when she was on camera. You can kind of understand why the daughter fell for her. Unfortunately, the character came to a bad end. Oh, dear. But I don't want to reveal it. The great thing about At Home with the Braithwaite was there were lots of fantasy sequences. Characters would see things that weren't really happening. Mm-hmm. And they would just do these weird cutaways. It was almost like an episode of Family Guy where just boom, they would just cut away for five seconds and boom, back to the action. Or 30 Rock does nowadays. So it was a very funny, clever series. And in 2003, Julie Graham appeared in Kay Miller's Between the Sheets as Alona Cunningham. Well, I haven't seen that either, so okay. hold forth. Also in 2003, she co-starred with Martin Clunes in the ITV Sweet Love Affair series William and Mary. I saw that one. She played midwife Mary Gilcrest, running for three seasons. So William is an undertaker, and Mary is a midwife, and they are both lonely. They both have kids. They both have kids. William has two girls, and Mary has two boys from her husband, who's still around. I mean, they're not married anymore. Yeah, her partner. Yes, ex-husband. In this scene, they meet for the first time after having used an online dating site. Neither of them are very optimistic. William. Mary. Hi. I thought we'd um, skip the opening exchanges about nothing in particular. You're a community worker. What kind of community work? Uh, Mostly with old people. Yeah, let's not talk about work. I mean, work's while we're here. If we met people at work, we wouldn't have to do this, eh? You're a single father? Yeah. Where's the mother? I'm only interested because um, I was out with a guy the other night and uh, his wife turned up. Really? Well, there's not much chance of mine doing that. She's dead. Oh. They should uh, put that down here. I ticked the box. Can I ask how? A traffic accident. She was knocked down three years ago. Oh. Sorry, are you smiling? Yeah, but not about that. So why the smile? I don't know you well enough yet. I didn't run her over, if that's what you're thinking. I wasn't, no, but um, thanks for the thought. Oh, you have a housekeeper who looks after your girls. How old is she? Mrs. Ball, she's 60, 61. She only comes when I'm, I'm working or on call. Two daughters, Kate and Julia. Yeah. I've got two sons. What are their names? Terence and Brendan. But adolescents are the other reason I never get to meet any men, so they're a banned topic too. Should we order? Yeah, I, thank you. I don't know Japanese food. Yeah, okay. No, I don't really either. You choose. Thank you. That's mine. Oh, sorry. What is it? It says that I'm in a choir. A choir? Oh, a choir, right. It says you're in a band. Yeah, I'm in a choir and a band. What kind of band? A brass band? (laughs) R&B and blues. We're harmless. Come and see us play. Do you want to come? We're playing this weekend. Why don't you come? Yeah. I think I'm working. Yeah, I liked William & Mary a lot. It was really sweet. Mm -hmm. And it took on a very interesting theme, which was here is... Mary bringing life into the world, and here is William as an undertaker who very compassionately would see people off. 
And those two jobs certainly complement each other. The two characters certainly complemented each other as well. It was really nice. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was nice seeing Martin Clunes in a romantic part. Mm-hmm. And his character just knew almost immediately that, that she was the one for him. And I think she knew too, but she wasn't really willing to go quite as fast as he was. He was remodeling parts of his house immediately for her to bring the boys over. <laughs> yeah, it was a very cute ITV series. I liked it a lot. And early... The television powers that be had spotted Julie Graham as someone to keep their eye on. So in 2008, she starred in BBC's Bone Kickers, an outrageous and sometimes silly archaeological series that owes a lot more to Dan Brown novels than Tony Robinson. In this clip, the team traveled to France and discovered a buried tank. Dolly, there's no need to bring the brie and the wine. It's France. The wine's mandatory. Anyway, the brie's from Somerset. I should have a bit of blighty. Dr. McWild, I'm Monsieur Luc from the Academy of Historical Affairs. Hi. So, the Commonwealth War Graves Commission insists that a British fine requires a British team. Oh, that's interesting. This was never a British combat area during World War I. Wow. Yes, wow, wow, golly and gosh. Look at this. First World War, Mark I. Look at the exhaust ducts and the round hatch. This is a prototype, only one of its kind. He's such a boy. Joan. The Germans put iron crosses on their tanks. We put on women's names. I've known a few old tanks in my time. <laughs> the gentle touches you're blown to buggery. You know, looking at the soil and the angle of this thing, it doesn't look like it's tipped into a bomb crater or anything. I think it's been buried. Who would bury a tank? Matthew Graham and Ashley Farrow of Life on Mars fame dreamed up Bone Kickers, and Julie co-starred with Adrian Lester from Hustle and Hugh Bonneville as fellow archaeologist adventurists. And her character, we find out, has a past. Her mother's in the crazy house. She has this obsession with finding the sword Excalibur. And Julie has a secret room behind her offices where she's keeping all this stuff here. And we're like, is she mad too? Is it some sort of family curse? But that was kind of the overarching arc of the one and only season that this uh, series ran. But every week they would find some fabulous old find. And they would find these clues and missing things and machines that had been there for hundreds of years and worked perfectly. Have you seen Bone Kickers? No. Uh, Little bits of it here and there. Well, it's on PBS now. And in fact, it's uh, coming to DVD next week, so everybody can check it out. I found it unbelievable yet fun. I mean, a really nice cast that you really like. I mean, all big TV veterans. And uh, very glossy. Some really good music. And had Julie in it. So in 2008, Julie led a cast in the BBC's remake of the 1970s disaster series Survivors as Abby Grant, a mother looking for her missing son after most of the world's population was wiped out in a plague. Carolyn Seymour originally played the part back in 1975. The second season is currently running on BBC One. Here is an interview Julie recently did to promote the new season. The first time we see Abby, she is a mother who is nursing her child through uh, leukemia. He recovers. She's quite nervous about the fact that he might not fully recovered. And she's, it's time to let go and get her life back. She wants to believe that people are basically good and not bad. And, and of course, throughout the series, that is tested to the extreme. It's a bit of a, you know, cockeyed optimism. 
but somebody has to have it. <laughs> Otherwise, it would just be kind of death and despair and, you know. I think people like her keep the world going. She's the emotional glue of the programme. She uh, realises she can't do it on her own. She realises that people need to stick together in order to get through it. One of the dilemmas that Abby comes across in the first series is that she brings all these people together, persuades them to stay together, persuades them that they need each other, and yet she has this kind of separate quest, in a way, to go off and find her son. So I think she does feel a great sense of responsibility. There's nothing more powerful than a, than a mother searching for her child or protecting a child. You know, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. I think the family are now inextricably linked. I don't see how they could ever give up on each other. They've they've gone through so much together. It's kind of like a typical family. They kind of squabble and fight amongst each other, but as soon as anybody from the outside tries to get in or mess with them, they just go and they just come together again. And it's it's them, them against the world, literally. The 70s series was very bleak, also very middle class. The joke was uh, uh, only uh, the working classes and uh, the posh people died. But they were sort of aiming for what the, what the BBC television market was in the early 70s, which was, you know, middle-class people. Interestingly enough, Terry Nation, who created the original Survivors and wrote the whole first season, did a novelization of it that came out. And it was incredibly cynical. And at the end, Abby Grant is walking on a beach, and then she gets killed by a gang of young boys, one of whom is her son. And they never, they never know that. And then they, the boys just ride off. And that's it. She's dead. And you're like, wow, that is cynical. But that was never in the TV series. That was just something Terry Nation threw in the book. That's funny. My mother has a, a digest of writing that she did as a teenager and all her other students. It was just a journal anthology of, of writing. And every single one of the stories had a twist ending like that. And they were all sad. So it sounds kind of very... She likes a lot of like old Henry throwback. stuff. Yeah, well, well, not just her writing, but everybody. All the students seemed oh, to be wow. on a kick that day where there had to be the little boy is killed by the car accident and his last words are prove that it was his dad that had run over him and thing, and just on and on and on like that. So seems a little elementary there. Shaggy dog stories, we call mm -hmm. that. But I think the BBC has plans to keep survivors around for a while. And uh, so we'll see a lot of Julie there. I think she's also gotten her teeth fixed. Uh, oh. I saw this clip on YouTube and her famous gap is now gone. Yeah, and, and Billy Piper had her teeth changed too. British actresses are feeling like they have to look a little more perfect in the Hollywood. That's, that's sad. I like. I would much rather look at most British actresses and actors than their glossy counterparts. Well, I like Julie Graham a lot. I mean, she's very easy in the eyes and then Scottish accent and all that. And, and she likes to play these strong characters, even when she's playing someone like Megan, who is not someone you're supposed to like. But since then, she's definitely getting to play these leads and she can carry the load for these series and make it believable. I think she's a really good, solid actress. Well, if you want to see some of these shows on DVD, At Home with the Braithwaites is available in the U.S. and U.K. on DVD. Uh, Between the Sheets is available as a Region 2 DVD. William & Mary was released in Britain as a Region 2 DVD. It's out of print, but copies are available. And you don't even have to go to Amazon.co.uk. If you just go to Amazon.com and type in William & Mary, you'll find it. So, woohoo, get those region-free DVD players. And as we talked about last week, it's totally legal.
So, next week, I'm thinking, keeping with the Scottish theme, mm-hmm. Peter Capaldi. Okay. Hey, sounds good. Yes. I think I first noticed him in the Neil Gaiman series, Neverwhere, where he played the Angel Islington. Hmm. We haven't seen that. No. Oh, he has one of the most awesome cliffhangers ever, where it just sends chills down your bones. I'm going to definitely include that clip course is in uh, the thick of it as his main series but he was also in torchwood children of earth and Mm -hmm. people thought he was the linchpin of that whole series he was fantastic yeah so we're gonna have a good time talking about peter capaldi and he'd been a lot of other things i mean almost every scottish drama he shows up in and i've been making note of him for the last 10 or 15 years so that should be a fun episode for sure Why don't you go to our website at BritishTVPodcast.com. You can find links to news articles, our show notes, what's on TV this week, archive of old shows, and you could send us feedback at feedback at BritishTVPodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. You could also give us a rating on whatever your favorite podcasting program is, whether it's iTunes or G Potter or Miro or any of them because that way people can find us and tell their friends. So that's it for this week. I think there's a lot of really good shows coming on here. We don't have the kind of uh, post holiday slump. Nope. So lots to watch on TV this week and we'll be keeping busy. We'll see you next week. Yes. Bye bye. On Channel 4 is the last part of Gordon's Great Escape with Gordon Brown going around India. Oh. Started this on Monday. Oh, okay. Just him. How strange. Well, he's he's trying the food of India and and having to go up against several... You mean Gordon Ramsay? I wrote Gordon Brown, didn't I? Boy, I got my word. <laughs> Wait a minute, is it a political thing I'm thinking? No, He's trying to... No. Let's do that again. Repatriatize uh, <laughs> India and coming back to the fold, India. Okay, we're going to do that over again. <laughs> That'd be kind of interesting. Gordon Brown is busy. Yeah, okay. He has to be grumpy and frown a lot and be on... Have I got news for you? He's got no time for India.